Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. My guest is Jay Daughtry, who's worked primarily in the association space since 2002 and has had responsibilities for business development, account management, communications, and partnerships with Wells Fargo, ISG Solutions, Personify, and Results Direct. Since 2017, Jay has been an independent consultant, and in this capacity, he works directly with associations other consultants, and technology companies that provide products and services to associations. Jay is a former teacher with a master's degree in educational administration. He launched the Association Initiative on small improvements in the summer of 2020, and that's why I've asked him to be my guest today. Welcome, Jay. Thank you, Mary. Good to be here. So let's start with the basics. What is the Association Initiative on Small Improvements and how did the whole idea get started? Sure. So um, obviously it's been quite a year for everyone um, with with the pandemic and and the other things that have been happening in society. There have been a lot of distractions. And one of the things that I found in talking with associations, it seemed like they were paralyzed in making decisions and moving forward. And so I thought there's got to be a way for us to smoke a uh, focus on these smaller kinds of things. Lots of big picture things that, that associations can't control, but what are the things that they can control and they can make improvements on? So you started the initiative with five organizations and where do you see it going from here? Sure. So we had our first uh, five associations sign on for the initiative and, and I'll just interject here. I'm very excited because they represent such a cross section of associations. So they're everything from staff sizes of nine up to over 200 staff, uh, various fields such as education, medical, financial, and agricultural, and geographically all over the country. So we've got Indiana, Maryland, Minnesota, Missouri, and Texas all represented so far. So I'm excited about that because again, it shows that any kind of association can benefit from this large or small, regardless of their industry. Um, so I've talked to a lot of other associations that are interested in the concept and you know, having internal discussions about how they tap into that. Um, but just to emphasize what the association, uh, the, the initiative does, basically, you know, it is focused on these certain areas. So we're looking at websites, we're looking at member support and constituent support and programs. Uh, We're looking at what their processes are, any areas where they could have improvements. And um, that's what I'm excited about with that. But from here, it just expands to more associations. What intrigues me about this is it's a, a guided process and permission really to look at small enhancements and in a year that has been so overwhelming in so many ways and in which we have decision fatigue, this seems a little bit more manageable and yet all of those small improvements together. So I know it was uh, to help organizations identify cost savings, increase revenues, improve efficiencies, and enhance member experiences. And when you add those all together, they might individually be small improvements, but they actually can have a rather big impact. So what kinds of things are you learning in the work that you're doing right now that might be helpful for other organizations? Yeah, sure. So I think there are a lot of things that are happening. So one of the favorite areas I like to point to is is looking at associations' websites. Um, 
because I think this is an area that gets neglected a lot of times. And in some of these efforts, what we've done is looked at websites and found areas where there's either outdated information. So for example, uh, you know, it looks like an upcoming conference, but that conference was actually seven months ago and no one's updated it with information for the upcoming year or shown highlights from that conference. It just still looks like you can register for it. So there are things like that. There are things like uh, broken links. You know, you think it's going somewhere and it's just a, a broken link. Um, I've seen websites send people to other websites and there's really no explanation for why you've sent your website visitor to that site. Um, and then another really good example is um, there's a reference to a staff member on a website and that staff member is no, no longer even there. So one of, one of the participants in the initiative, uh, I filled out like a contact us form I got an email from someone I knew wasn't there because it was a small staff organization. I could look on their staff list and see that person wasn't there, but they were actually still sending emails as if that person was there. So these are the kinds of things that we're finding that that can be so easily addressed. And, and it just takes a matter of focusing on that and, and directing somebody's attention to look at that more closely. And some of it is staff resources. And right now when it's all hands on deck, it's kind of nice to have an outside third party who can spend the time doing very, very detailed work. But I know this isn't just about websites only. So let's talk about some of the uh, other examples of re results that have been uh, produced or learnings or even things that are in progress or in process right now that you're learning from? Yeah, sure. So I think one of the things that's interesting is this initiative becomes different things for different associations. So a lot of times when I talk to an association about this, I'll show them a sample list of nine areas that could be addressed. Not that they're all going to get addressed in a small, simple engagement, but it's a matter of picking a few. Sometimes they'll ask me about other areas. Could we take a look at this? And usually the answer is sure. We could take a look at at that and see what can be done about it. But sometimes these things that we might initially think are small really can have a huge impact, right? So a couple of examples come to mind. One of the, the participants in the initiative uh, wanted me to look at things that would add member value, you know, basically for their membership, right? And without getting into a lot of detail, um, I was able to review their website, review documents and materials they sent me. And then I was able to have a few different discussions in this case with the executive director about things that I was seeing and, and what was missing and, and you know, what did this mean in this regard? I came back with six recommendations. And in this case, I, I had more, I thought it would be more like three to five, but I came back with six recommendations because I thought some might get nixed simply because they weren't that doable or they'd been tried recently or something like that. What was fascinating is that all six of the ideas the executive director liked and none of them were ruled out immediately. And between the time I had that conversation with him and checked in with him a week, a week later, he was having internal discussions independent from this without the knowledge of his staff and they were bringing up things related to at least two of those ideas. So there was already momentum for that and for things that they could do within the next two months. And, and it's not this big, like, yeah, we'll get to this in 18 months. It's things they can do now. Um, one of the executive directors that that's participating in the initiative is a new executive director. Actually, a lot of them are on what I would call the newer side. In, in this case, she had told me, look, I need an extra set of eyes. I need a sounding board. 
uh, I'm trying to do, keep in mind the environment that we're in, I'm trying to do in six months what would normally take me 18 months to do. And so there were things that she was presenting to me that her staff wasn't aware of. Um, staff reorganization considerations, a partnership opportunity. And I was providing her feedback on those. So again, that wasn't necessarily small, but it was something where she needed somebody who didn't have a vested interest in, in which way it went. So that, that was fascinating for me as well. So you're kind of a, a safe external advisor. Uh, you know, one of the things I hear from CEOs a lot is it's lonely at the top. And there are some things that they may know that they need to do or they think they need to do, but you can't walk down the hall and necessarily have a water cooler conversation, uh, first of all, because everybody's working remotely. And second of all, because there are just some things that uh, senior leadership shouldn't really be floating until they have a more definitive idea about where they're going to go. So yeah, I, I, I think that's exactly right, Mary. And, and I think I think that there's a couple of things. One, it's easier to have these private conversations now because even the executive directors are working from home or they're working from the office and there's nobody in the office or, or hardly anybody in the office so they can have more of these kinds of conversations. And one of the things that makes my vantage point unique, you, you referenced this in the intro of me, but since 2002, I've been in the association space, but I've been working with associations, I've been working with other consultants, and I've been working with technology companies. So I find that I have a well, well-rounded, well if you will, perspective on associations. I know how they work, I know how they operate, I know, I know the association space in general, and I know the other players who are in here. So a lot of times it's like, I can give you direction, I can give you input, I can direct you to other resources. And, um, and again, that's, that's exciting for me, connecting the dots for people. Well, and I think that being able to refer people to other resources is valuable, too, because it's such a time saver. And it's almost like you're providing vetted solutions for them. They, you know, they might need somebody. And usually when somebody comes to me and asks if I do something and I don't, like you, I might know one or two other people that I can refer them to. And I refer them only if I'm comfortable with the quality of work and the and the process. So I think that's part of the benefit of this is not only the outside, but the network that people can tap into as well. Exactly. I'm guessing that in the instances that you shared, you had some immediate tasks that could be done. But I'm guessing that part of what you're seeing, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you're planting some seeds or starting some conversations that may not happen right now but possibly could happen later. Yeah, so, so there's a couple of levels to this. One is that, as I just alluded to, in some cases, I'm just engaged with this initiative with one person on that staff, generally an executive or the executive director, right? But in some cases, it's more than one person who's involved. I mean, it could be literally four or five out of nine on a staff who are participating in some way. And my hope and my desire is that it energizes them. It jumpstarts them in some way. Because again, I've told people, look, after a few weeks, you know, I, let me back up and say this. A lot of times I talk about the engagement being a matter of weeks, but there are components of this that last months we'll have different dialogues as a group uh, to talk about ideas and challenges and what else we want to focus on. But after weeks or after months, I may not be involved in the association, but those employees are still there. But hopefully they've taken some of that and it's propelled them in a certain direction or it's caused them to 
you know, uncover certain things or look under rocks or figure out what it is that, as you alluded to, is going to lead to some sort of cost savings or increased revenues or improve that member experience, whatever it might be that they're after, but at least giving them that, that direction and that energy. So you use the word energized, which I think is really valuable right now. We're doing heroic work in difficult, difficult circumstances with a lot of uncertainty, just in, in general, and I'm, I'm springing this question on you here. Sure. What are you seeing in terms of energy levels with staff? So that's a great question because, okay, so first of all, I've worked remotely for two decades now. So this, this part is not new to me. And I found it fascinating over the last several months that people are coming out and going, wow, why did we ever work in an office? And are we ever going back to an office? And it's like, wow. So they're saying we're productive. We're more productive. I do not doubt for a minute that people are more productive in that kind of environment. I've certainly found it myself. What I question is whether they're being strategic about it. So if I have my list of 10 things to do this week, I think, of course, I could be more productive knocking out that list over the course of the week. But what I'm not sure is happening is what are those conversations about moving forward? And so organizations need to have some serious conversations about where they're going, what their value proposition is, what their members are getting from it. And that may change. This is forcing associations to think differently about who they are. And, and I hope they're taking advantage of that because it's not all, it's not all bad, right? It's not all negative. So I think part of the challenge right now, too, is we have to have questions around what we're going to look like moving forward. And I think there's a lot of assumptions that and hope that we're going to go back to normal. And I don't think we are. I think we have to be having conversations, like you said, about the next normal and what it looks like. For some associations, they may be smaller organizations going forward because of the number of years that it's going to take to recover and simply because of how members access programs and services and their expectations going forward. It also depends on their industry and profession and how hard it's been hit, of course. So part of the conversation is what are things going to look like, but that is complex because now we have to have parallel strategies running. We've got our what we need to do now strategy to remain sustainable and in some cases stay afloat. And then we have to have our our next normal strategy. So I actually think our work has gotten more complex and more fatiguing in some ways. I completely agree. So, so a couple of thoughts. One is I was talking with one of my clients yesterday who is a consultant and this notion of long range planning. So we have to we have to scale that back and maybe that long range isn't the range it used to be, but there's gotta be agility. There's gotta be a nimbleness to it. But this notion that we're gonna get back to normal, I, I don't think it happens. I agree with you. I mean, it could be that it comes back closer to the way it was in 2019 and before, but I mean, people are gonna have different expectations. People have different habits, different approaches, things that they're comfortable with. And if you think it's all about membership and a conference and your publications, I think you're I think you're missing an opportunity. So I think on the member side, I'm a, a member of several associations myself, and I've been shown as a member. So it's interesting to be in the association space and then be a member yes. of an association. I've been shown as a member that there are different ways for me to access 
resources and services in different ways that the organization can deliver. And in some ways, I may be getting a little spoiled because I don't have to leave home anymore. I don't have to get on a plane. I don't have to spend money out of pocket to access that. I think that's one of the conversations that we need to have. What are the implications of this, quote, normal now? Uh, Because it is definitely going to affect the normal coming up for sure. So what obstacles are you seeing associations run into as they focus on this whole idea of small improvements? Okay, so the obstacles are many. I mean, first of all, as I alluded to earlier, I mean, it's the current situations. We don't know what the future holds, so therefore we can't commit in a certain direction. I mean, that can be an obstacle in and of itself. I think there's there are always the obstacles in associations that talk about what our priorities are at this moment. So it's everything from we've got an upcoming board meeting to we've got an upcoming conference, which was in person and now is virtual, to, oh, our membership renewal cycle is over the next three months. I mean, always those things that are going to come up that can sidetrack you from making improvements. Um, I think in associations, we know that they're notorious for being siloed. Um, that doesn't help in this either, right? Because it's like, well, that's your territory. That's my lane, stay out of it, you know, that sort of thing. And then I think the last primary obstacle is this sense of this is the way we've always done things, okay? Well, as we just talked about, this is the way we've always done things has led us to where we are right now. And again, I've heard, I don't know if you've heard, but I've heard that as many as 1,700 associations are gonna close their doors as a result of this pandemic, right? So it's clear that you have to do something different. And plenty are you know, either cutting staff or cutting programs or whatever it is, but you, things are changing. There's a risk to anything you do, but I think there's a bigger risk if you do nothing. I've actually got a sign here in my office that says, uh, do not be afraid of change, be afraid of not changing. Yep. And that's kind of in, in my work, that's one of the mantras that, that I subscribe to. So that's exactly as, right. Yeah. As we wrap up here, for those who would like to identify small improvements and the resulting benefits, what are the first two to three steps you recommend? Sure. So I think the first thing is take a step back, right? I, again, I had an executive director tell me, look, my staff's busy doing things. I'm not sure they're the right things. I'm not sure they're the things that lead to success, but they're busy, right? Um, But take a step back. First of all, look at your staff, look at your volunteers or or leaders, volunteer leaders, and and find out who can think outside the box, who can think as an outsider, and who can think without a vested interest in the outcome, right? Um, I had one executive director tell me that he's got a key member of his team who's planning to retire. uh, I think within the next year, it could be a little bit longer out. And he's asked that individual, like essentially, when, when you leave, should we replace you or should we outsource this function, right? Well, that person can now make an objective, you know, assessment because they don't have anything to lose, right? Obviously, if they were earlier in their career, they'd have something to lose. They'd have a slanted viewpoint of it. So, so that's part of it. Like, how do I get this assessment? Secondly, you know, ask questions, um, ask questions about the organization. What is it that people are calling in and asking us about? And either a lot of these questions that come in to membership or customer support or whoever they're talking to, 
um, they're going to they're going to find out that either it's because things on the website aren't clear, or um, there's an opportunity for additional education or additional programming. If you're getting the same question over and over again, that, that should be addressed, right? There should be some sort of communication or reporting back from those teams to somebody else who can do something about it. And then um, the other thing is asking sort of from a progress or process standpoint, you know, what are the things in our organization that get stuck, that get delayed? Where does that happen? Again, I think as organizations have moved to remote, they've realized certain things needed to happen in person because somebody was there to do something with paper. You know, what of that can be automated? What of that can be electronic? And, and how can that be smoothed out? So those are great areas to look at. But again, you, you want somebody who's objective and can, can really take a step back and, and not be vested in what the outcome is. Great. Thank you, Jay. It's been a delight to talk with you. I'm Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. 